ever wish you had a reset button? What would a reset look like in your life? We've all experienced disruptive changes, profound loss, abnormalities, been on the brink of burnout. We want to offer you hope, encouragement, guidance. God promises life and life everlasting. Well, good morning, church. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you uh, so much for having me, and uh, I'm really thankful to be a part of this church community. Um, If you weren't able to hear Dr. Paul Boatman's sermon from last week, uh, would you, I invite you to go online and find it so you can listen to it, because the kind of Christian community that he talks about is a community that I have found here, uh, and I just feel so loved by this church. Like Eric said, my name is Samuel, and I work for an organization called Christian Student Fellowship at University of Illinois Springfield and Lincoln Land Community College. But that's a lot, so we just shortened it to CSF. Uh, So if I ever say CSF, I'm talking about uh, that ministry. This month, uh, uh, actually Friday, I'll be celebrating my five-year anniversary with my wife, Renee. uh, And in July, we'll have a little girl and stop sleeping. It's going to be great. (laughs) I'm so excited, truly. Uh, But I'm also thankful to be a part of this uh, church, not only just as a member, but also because of Lakeside's generosity. Um, If you don't know, Christian Student Fellowship is a support-raised ministry, so we we, um, raise our salaries and our ministry expenses. And uh, I'm just so thankful for Lakeside as a whole, but then also individual members out here that I see um, for supporting what we do, both prayerfully and financially. And some of you may be wondering, what do you do? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I, campus ministry might not be super familiar to everyone. I actually didn't know about it until my second year of college um, when Renee and I were dating and kind of took a <clears throat> turn in a different direction in life. Personally, I am the outreach minister and the men's minister. So what that's looked like this past semester, at least, is I lead the men's small group, I lead all of our men's events, and then I do a lot of our one-on-one men's discipleship where I meet with students for about an hour a week and we talk about how they can continue to grow closer to God. On the outreach side of things, I plan all of our uh, events uh, for CSF, whether it's a community event or an an outreach event. And then I also uh, take lead on our gospel sharing training. On a wider scale of what CSF does, I think it's simplest put uh, through sharing our mission. The mission of CSF is to help students find their way back to God. And so everything we do, we, we do that so we can help students uh, find their way back to God. Uh, we do this mostly through, th- through things like Monday night worship, through small groups, and through one-on-one discipleships. Uh, those are just a few things that we do, uh, but we do a lot more. A main way that we help students find their way back to God is through something what we, through what we call uh, gospel appointments. It's a time where a student would sit down with someone and just be told the gospel in a, in a certain way. Um, we do training for students so that they can learn how to share the gospel because we believe that uh, if something is worth doing, it's worth doing well. And so uh, we want our students to be trained on how to do that. So whether we're doing uh, what we call Jello Olympics, which is sticky and exactly what it sounds like, uh, or if we're doing Ultimate Nacho Night, which is also as wonderful as it sounds, uh, everything we do, we do so that we can share the gospel and help students find their way back to God. Um, and we truly believe in what we do. As a staff this week, we are uh, taking time to pause and to look back at uh, past semesters and see, you know, what have we done? What's worked well? What needs some critiquing? And then also to plan for what's to come. In other words, we're taking a moment to reset. And I really like that Lakeside is going through this series on resetting because I think resetting is how we get the best out of ourselves. 
Now, when we reset, it doesn't always mean that there's going to be a huge actionable change. Um, sometimes there might be minor things. Sometimes you hit the reset button and notice what's working is working. Let's keep going. Um, but when we want to move forward in the best way possible, I think it's important we reset. Think about it this way. If your TV or your computer or your phone is not working how you want it to work, what's the first thing we do? You turn it off. You hold down that power button. You say a little prayer. And then you turn it back on. And then hopefully... It works. If not, we call the IT guy and uh, see if they can, they can do their stuff. If you're a sports fan like me, uh, we've hit the reset button on the Cubs roster and still waiting, <laughs> but, but maybe it'll come. Uh, but through this series, we've talked about resetting our faith, our worship, our hearts, our character, our family, and our church. Today, we'll be talking about resetting our view of the world with our words, or in other words, sharing the gospel. This topic is so near to my heart. Uh, it's something that's been really important to me, especially recently, um, especially because I think that in our culture, we think that if we go to church on Sunday, small group on Wednesday, and read the Bible in between, then we've nailed it. But I would challenge that if you can't recall the last person you shared the gospel with who doesn't know Jesus, I think we're missing something. And so that's why this is so important to me. But before we dive in any further, would you bow with me as I pray? Father, help this uh, conversation to not be one that ends here, um, that we would not just hear what you have to say and uh, just take it in and not do anything, but that we would be motivated to share your love with the world. Speak through me now. Change hearts. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I think it makes the most sense to start this conversation off by opening scripture and looking to what Jesus has to say. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open to Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and follow along as I read this. It's also going to be up here. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, I want, to re- I want you to hold this, ver- this part of the verse in your mind, that he is with us always to the end of the age. We're going to come back to that later. But for now, I want to point out the very beginning of this, uh, where Jesus says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Wow, that's a lot of authority uh, to to make a statement with and then to follow it up with something else. If you don't know, authority is actually a major theme in the Gospel of Matthew. In chapter 7, Jesus teaches uh, with an authority like no earthly authority. And so scribes are astonished to see that something is different about this guy. In chapter 9, he reveals that he has the authority to forgive sins. Uh, And then he also reveals that he has the authority to give authority in chapter 10 when he gives his disciples the authority to uh, cleanse unclean spirits. And even now in this passage, we see that Jesus has authority over death because he just came back from the dead and he is just resurrected. In other words, what Jesus is saying, to simplify it for us all, what I'm about to tell you is really, really important. So what's really important? Go and make disciples. I like how Francis Chan talks about this, and it's kind of convicting for myself. But just imagine that we all have a middle school daughter, and her room is a mess, and we say, okay, go clean your room. And she says, cool, I'm in middle school, I know what that means. And she leaves, she comes back a little bit later and says, hey, dad, I memorized what you said. 
go and clean your room. And you'd be pretty disappointed. Or if she came back and said, Dad, I got some of my friends together, and we really started to ask some questions about what you meant by that. Or maybe she said, Dad, I learned how to say uh, go and clean your room in Greek and Hebrew. And while these things are so important, it's so important to memorize scripture, to ask questions, to even learn the original languages, um, we also need to remember that it's so important to live out what Jesus says. I hope that we don't just hear the Great Commission and think, oh, I've heard that before. That's a really good one, and then move on. But I hope that we would act upon his words. But here's the thing about sharing the gospel. I grew up in the church, and some of you may relate to this as well, where the entire time you're told, share the gospel, share the gospel, tell your friends about Jesus, tell your coworkers about Jesus. But we don't often tell the how. And so for me, at least, it was a struggle of, I don't know necessarily how to share the gospel. And so this morning, we are gonna, we're going to walk through a roadmap of three simple steps into sharing the gospel so that hopefully you can have the tools you need uh, to tell your, your friends and family about Jesus. The first step in this is to meet and build relationships with non-Christians. I think it's pretty simple. If we don't know non-Christians, how would we share the gospel with them? If we don't know who's a Christian and who's not, uh, how would we do that? And it's also important that we build relationships with them. Sharing the gospel is not just a one-time thing. It's not just like, hey, I'm Samuel and here's the gospel. But it's a lifestyle. It's, It's choosing to live a life in a way that shares the gospel. Some of you, uh, work with people who are not Christians, and that's awesome. That's a great place to start because you already know them. You've already built relationships with them. However, if you've not built relationships with non-Christians, I want to give you a couple tips on how to meet and build relationships with non-Christians. The first one is to do your hobby in public. For me, I joined an Ultimate Frisbee group on Facebook. It's called Ultimate Springfield. Uh, And now every Thursday and Sunday, I play Ultimate Frisbee with a group of guys who don't know Jesus. And it's my opportunity of meeting, meeting people and uh, building a relationship with them. I also play chess with students. I've gotten into chess since Queen's Gambit. I started playing before Queen's Gambit, before it was cool. Uh, but I got into chess, and I play with students, and we play at Panera. We play in the student union where there's a bunch of students all the time. And all the time, students come up to us and say, or anybody will come up to us and say, hey, who's winning or what? How do you play this game? What does this piece do? And it's cool to see that people get interested when we do stuff in public. Another tip is to have a cookout with your neighbors. Uh, Hot dogs and chips are a pretty inexpensive way of meeting and feeding a lot of people. And they're also really quick to cook up. And then uh, be active in your community. Go to garage sales. If if your neighborhood is hosting a neighborhood-wide garage sale, host a garage sale. Go to garage sales. Get to know your neighbors. Get to know your community. Stop at lemonade stands. If you see a lemonade stand with a kid, go give them the dollar and drink one of their lemonades they bought from the store. But help your neighbors uh, shovel, help them rake the leaves, whatever it is. Get involved with your community. I, I have a friend who started what she calls Front Porch Friday, where she invites the people she lives around to just join her on her front porch on Fridays. And so the kids who live next to her love it. They always ask her, hey, when's the next Front, front Porch Friday? And she's, well, what day is it? And then they, they get there together. But just figure out a creative way to get involved in your community. After we've met people who are not Christians, we need to love them. Because if we can't just meet them and they know that we're Christians, but we need to build a relationship with them and become their friends. Sharing the gospel and making disciples, like I said, is not a one-time thing, uh, but it's a lifestyle. And I say this for two reasons. One, it's a lot easier to share the gospel with someone you're familiar with. Because you know their story, they know your story, and you can talk about hurt and love and different things like that. Also, a second reason is because according to a study done by a group called LifeWay, nearly 90% of people 
of unchurched people would be open to a religious conversation with their Christian friends. Some of those conversations might be hard. Some of them might be uncomfortable. Some of them might ask questions you don't know the answers to. They might challenge your faith, whatever that is. However, 90% of unchurched people would be open to a religious conversation with their Christian friends. I think that last phrase right there, a religious conversation with their Christian friends, is so important. Not just any Christian they know, but a Christian friend. Uh, A quick tip on this one of meeting and building relationships and inviting people to things is don't make your invite so easy to say no to. Don't just say, hey, you want to come to church? Say, hey, do you want to come to church and join us for lunch afterwards? Or do you want to grab breakfast beforehand and then meet me there? Something like that. Make it a little little bit more enticing and more relational. The second step in sharing the gospel is to share the gospel. Now, somewhere along this roadmap, we must actually share the gospel, right? And so uh, this conversation could start in a couple of different ways. Uh, The most common ways are an unchurched person asking a religious person about their faith. If we are Christians and we're living in a different way, people will notice and they'll start to ask questions about it. But the second way that's most common and the way I actually kind of prefer is that a church person would ask somebody to share the gospel with them. Um, However, we do always need to be ready for when we get asked. Because look at this verse in uh, 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, regard Christ as the Lord, as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and reverence. In my opinion, this is the biggest hang-up to why we don't share the gospel. I think it's because we're not always ready to give a reason for the hope that we have in Jesus. We can give excuses like fear, I don't want to lose a relationship, what if it's awkward? And to that, I would say their eternity is worth it. But at the end of the day, if we are not ready and prepared to share the gospel, we won't. Uh, So I want to give you a little layout of how I share the gospel with students on campus, what it's looked like for me. I've done this a few times through the past year. So after building a relationship with someone uh, on campus, I will invite them to coffee with these words. I will say, hey, can I buy you a coffee at Starbucks? There's a Starbucks in the union on campus. Can I buy you a coffee and can I share with you what I'm all about and what I believe? And I do that very intentionally because one, coffee is unintimidating. Everybody drinks coffee or sugar. So, you know, non-Christians, they drink coffee. Christians, they drink coffee. It's something that we can all get around. And secondly, the reason I say, because I want to tell you what I believe and what I'm all about, is because I don't want to blindside somebody and make them feel like I tricked them. But I want them to be open to this conversation. And if they say yes, then they're going to be open to the conversation because they know that a religious conversation is happening. Once we've met for coffee, I'll ask them their story. How'd you get here? How did you get to uh, UIS? How did you get to your job? Whatever it is, how did you get here? And then I might ask some follow-up questions like, what's your family like? Do you have siblings? Did Did you go to church growing up? Things like that. After they've shared their story, I'll share my story. And I've gotten my story to about down to probably about three minutes now where I can share the meat of what I want to say. I don't want to share a lot of of my story for too long because I want to get to the good stuff, which is Jesus. Uh, But I want them to know how Jesus has changed my life. And so once they've shared their story and I've shared my story and the, the barriers have kind of come down, I will share the gospel with them. And CSF uses something we call the gospel tool, where we walk people through the gospel, uh, talking through the creation, the fall, Jesus, new life, and the hope that we have in Jesus. And then I'll ask a follow-up question like, so what does this mean for you? What's next? Do you want to come to a small group? Whatever, whatever fits the, the situation. 
And here's the thing, it's become very natural for me to have this conversation because I've been doing this, uh, I've been doing it with our staff as we practice it, and I've been doing it with students as I actually present the gospel. I think it's important, though, that we do practice it because if, we're, if we want to do something well, it's worth practicing. You wouldn't just go up to your job's presentation and never have looked over your notes, but you're going to look over them and know what you're going to say and practice it so you're not stumbling over your words. So why would it be any different when we present the gospel? I want to pause here, and this is where I'm actually going to give you your challenge for the week um, because I think it's so important that we do practice it. So your challenge is kind of uh, three parts. First is to figure out how to share your story in five minutes or less. For you, for what I did is I wrote everything out and then I kind of whittled it down until it was about three minutes. And now I can share uh, how Jesus has changed my life, what it was like before, what it's like after uh, in about three minutes. And that's so important because when somebody asks, you know, what's your story? What's you tell me about your faith? I don't think it's helpful when we start with, well, where do I start? Or what do I say? Uh, but I want us to be prepared, to always be prepared to give an answer for the hope we have in Jesus. The second thing that I want you to do is to find a gospel tool that you, you would enjoy sharing with, with people. Uh, if you want, if you don't know where to start with that, you can contact me and I can give you CSF's gospel tool, uh, the one that I talked about, the creation, fall, Jesus, new life, and hope. But there's a bunch out there. Maybe even talk to a lakeside pastor and find something. And once you've found it, memorize it. Get to a point where you're comfortable with it and you can talk about it. You can talk through it without uh, using it in front of you. And the third thing, and I think this is, this is super important and this is the most actionable, is to practice sharing the gospel with a trusted Christian friend or family. Seriously and literally, practice sharing the gospel. Sit down with someone and share the gospel with a trusted Christian friend or family. I think it's important that we do this because one, we get, we get used to it, it becomes natural, but two, it's important that we get feedback. Somebody can tell us, hey, I, I don't think you really covered uh, sin enough, or I don't think you talked about Jesus enough, and we can say, okay, cool, well then let's fix that, and let's make some changes, and now when I present the gospel, I can present the beautiful gospel to somebody else. So back to the message, back to our roadmap uh, of, where we, of how we share the gospel, after you've met and built relationships with somebody and after you've shared the gospel, our third step is to pray and discern our next steps. And this is intentionally super broad because you're not going to have the same outcome every time you share the gospel. And so every time we share the gospel, we ought to be praying and discerning our next steps. Uh, if the person you just shared the gospel with wants to immediately get baptized, that's awesome. Great. Let's get them baptized. Praise God. You get to be a part of their life change. If the person that you just shared the gospel with still has some questions and doubts, praise God, you get to be with them as they ask those questions. If they ask you a question that you don't know the answer to, praise God, you get to show humility and get to look into it with them. But the important thing to remember is that there's a response and it's worth praying over and having a next step with. If you don't know what your next step might be, Talk to a pastor at Lakeside and see uh, what a next step could be. Maybe it's an invite to your small group. Maybe it's an invite to Sunday morning church. Maybe it's an invite to continue meeting weekly. I don't know what it's going to look like. It's going to look different every time. But the cool thing is, is that God is always with us. Remember that verse I told you to, to hold on to uh, at the end of Matthew, that, uh, that God is with us always to the end of the age. God is moving when we share the gospel, and it is a beautiful thing. And that's a simplified way of sharing the gospel, that three-step easy roadmap. Now, this might take the course of days. It might take the course of weeks. It might take the course of a couple of months. The important thing, I think, is that we are active and proactive in uh, sharing the gospel in this lifestyle. One question I think that we need to ask is, how do we share the gospel in a culture that is so sensitive to being offended? 
And I think the answer is pretty simple for me. The beauty of the gospel is that it is good news. It is love, it is joy, it is peace, it is hope. When you share the gospel with someone, it's not about changing every little belief they have about every little thing. Sharing the gospel with someone is about introducing them to Jesus, allowing them to fall in love with him, and then moving on in that path. Let me give you an example. A couple examples, actually. This past school year, I've been able to share the gospel, like I said, with multiple students. But two students in particular stuck out to me. The first one was a freshman that we met at freshman breakfast, and then he joined us at Jell-O Olympics, and then he also came to our nacho night. Uh, and he just had a blast. He, lo- he loved hanging out with us. And so I asked him, you know, could I buy you a coffee, share with you what we believe and what we're all about? He said, yeah, that sounds great. I love coffee. Let's go sit down. So we sat down and, and uh, had some coffee, and I asked him his story, and then I shared my story, and then I shared the gospel, and I ended it with, so what do you think? What's your next step? What does this mean for you? Is this familiar to you? Anything like that. And he said, you know, I've heard some of this before. He'd been in the church, involved in the church a little bit, but not much. I said, cool, so what do you think a next step for you is? I don't know. Okay. Would you be willing to meet with me once a week? No. Okay, that's okay. Uh, would you be willing to come to our Monday night worship? Yeah, awesome, cool. So he, he began coming to our Monday night worship weekly. And then after some time, he also became involved in our guy's small group. And then this past semester, he actually was willing to meet with me one hour a week, every Wednesday at 1 p.m. He started out just coming to our fun events and gradually came to our more spiritual events and learned more about God. And I asked him at the beginning, uh, after a couple of weeks of sticking with CSF through our Monday Night Worship, I said, hey, what, what's keeping you around? Like, what, do you, what, do you, what, what makes you stick with CSF? And he said, everybody's so nice to me. <laughs> I mean, how cool is that, though, right? Everybody's so nice to me. It's so cool to hear that. Uh, but really what we could tell is that he was looking for community after a COVID iso- uh, time in COVID isolation. And so it was neat that we could fulfill that for him. At the end of the first semester, I asked him once again, hey, man, is it still just like you, just ever, you like everybody being so nice, or what, what's the reason that you're still sticking around? And he said, I really like my Christian friends and community. Well, how neat is that, that he took another step in the direction of Jesus and formed friends within, within our, our group, CSF, and that drew him in. So second semester, like I said, he started meet with me for an hour a week. He was consistent in a small group. He came to all of our Monday night worship where we are preaching scripture to students. And I asked him at the end of the semester, I said, hey, so what has kept you sticking around still? And he said, I really like learning about scripture. How neat is that to see a student who doesn't, who doesn't care, who doesn't hold on to a biblical worldview, just slowly but surely walk along through the course of a, a, a school year and grow in his relationship with Jesus? How neat is that? The other student that stuck out to me uh, is a little bit of a different story. He came to a Monday night worship uh, off of an invite from a friend. And per usual when this happens, I usually try to you know, talk to students when they come and figure out who they are, what their major is, what are their hobbies, what can I relate with. And I asked him after a little while if I could buy him coffee, share with him what I believe and what we're all about. And when I got done sharing the gospel, after he told me his story, I told him mine. And I got done sharing the gospel, I said, what do you think? You know, I, you know creation, fall, Jesus, new life, hope. What do you think? What does this mean for you? And he said, you know, there's this big cross in Texas that I think you'd like because there's a, a gift shop for spiritual people like you. Oh, that is not the response I was hoping for. <laughs> it's, not the, it's not the, I want to get baptized. I want to get uh, committed to small groups. I want to change my life completely. But the cool thing is, is that God was moving. God was with me when I did not realize it, when I did not see it. 
this student uh, became a weekly attender to our Monday night small group, or not, I'm sorry, our Monday night worship service. And he would, he would sneak in, he'd sneak out the best he could. He'd talk to just a couple of people. And after some time, he did inconsistently come to our small group every once in a while. And he'd prefer not to say anything, but you would just sit there and be, be okay with being there. He graduated as a senior this past semester. Uh, and I never got locked into a one-on-one discipleship time with him. Just, you know, some college students, the excuses keep coming. Uh, but he left campus and I thought, it's, it's a bummer that the student never fully grasped a biblical worldview. It's a bummer to see that after this, this school year of time uh, going along and spending time with him. But I didn't see God moving. This past week or so, two weeks ago or so, I received a text from him and he said, hey, I thought you should know that I decided to do my grad school at UIS so I'll be able to continue to worship with you. Isn't it cool to see how God moves when we're not looking? when we don't see it happening. Because the student is continuing to learn at UIS, I get to continue to have a relationship and foster that relationship with Jesus with him. I hope, I pray that he'll sit down with me at one-on-one for a weekly time. But if he doesn't, I hope that we can continue to love on him because God is still moving. You know, I hate feet. They're gross, they stink, they look weird. I just don't like them. And I think that there's a similar view of feet in the Bible. I think it's something that Jesus and I relate to uh, because it's so astonishing, right, when Jesus kneels down and washes his disciples' feet because feet are gross. And I think that uh, it's, this is why uh, Paul's word choice is so intentional in Romans 10, 14 through 15. How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? How can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. How beautiful are the feet. How beautiful is the most disgusting part about somebody when they bring the good news. How beautiful are all of you when you share the good news of Jesus. Near the end of the semester, I asked both these students, uh, what what is your favorite song that CSF sang this year? And uh, the first student I was talking about, uh, the one who gradually, you know, continued to grow closer to God, he said, uh, praise the Father. I'm thinking, that's not the song. Oh, you're talking about King of Kings. I got it. Praise the Father. Yeah, I got it. So, so why, why is that your song, your song that you like? He said, I just really like the words. Such a simple answer, such a beautiful answer that the words spoke out to him enough that this is a song that he preferred. I asked the other student as well. I said, what's your favorite song that CSS been doing on Monday nights? And he said, praise the Father. I knew instantly this time what it was. And, and I said, so why? What draws you to that song? And he said, I don't know. I just like it. It's a suitable answer. That's okay. And I wholeheartedly believe that both of these guys, these young men that I met with, who I was able to share the gospel with, chose this song because this song, King of Kings, is a beautiful telling of the gospel. It is a beautiful telling of the good news that we get to share. It is our story. It is God's story colliding in a miraculous salvation, the redemption of our sins. This is the gospel. How beautiful are the feet who share the good news.